0: Well, day there and welcome to the Oak City Church podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today for another encouraging message from our Sunday gatherings of Oak City Church. If we can connect with you in any way, please see us at oakcitychurch.com.au or check out our socials online. We hope to see you in person soon. Good morning, Oak City Church. It is so great to join with you online this morning. I so wish we could be together, but I'm also so excited for today, both in that we are gathering together online, but also I would really want to encourage you to join us in our Zoom afterwards as we celebrate, as we just heard from Jess and the Hurras, um, the, the commissioning and the hopefully the affirming all being well of our first batch of Oak City leaders, uh, Oak City elders, beg your pardon. It has been a Big month, lots has been going despite the fact that we've been online and it would be so good for you to join us as we do that together. And uh, this morning, it's my job to bring us part two of our two-part series that we have called Imagine If Christians Couldn't Keep Their Wallets in Their Pants, which is a series focused on biblical and practical wisdom when it comes to money and finances. And Jeff kicked us off last week as he gave us an awesome big picture perspective of the generosity of God and what it means to have a generous heart and a transformed heart. And he landed us in that wonderful encounter in the book of Exodus where the people of God had a project that God had invited them into and they gave as they felt convicted and felt led. And there was actually too much. And what an incredible vision that is for us as a church who want to be a generous church. It is one of our strong values that we have articulated, that we want to be a generous church and that that would actually begin to change something in the city and the region of Blackdown, that people would know Oak City Church as a generous people, not just unto themselves, but actually that we would be able to bless the community around us. There's that wonderful Abrahamic blessing that we would be blessed to be a blessing. And so today, what I want to do is really to dive down into some of the practicals of what it means as a follower of Jesus in the way that we steward our money. And really, I want to talk to this topic of things I wish that somebody had told me about money. Because so much of the heart of this series is that for too long, and for too many people, both inside and outside of the church, money has been treated as this huge taboo topic. Yet the statistics around financial illiteracy, both inside and outside of the church, are startling. The amount of people who, without knowing, make poor financial choices and therefore end up in financial bondage that actually strangles their whole life, their ability to be able to um, live well, live generously, love their family, set themselves up for a better future. And so we wanted to take the time to talk about the necessary strategies or skills or plans that you might be able to find financial freedom with. And so despite being a young man myself, I wanna to talk to that topic, I've made plenty of mistakes. Um, there, there was definitely a time in my teenage and early young adult years where I spent money on silly things, racked up credit card debt, and uh, in trying to pursue my now wonderful wife, but made plenty of poor financial choices that set me back five, 10 years. And so I would wanna say upfront, um, firstly, that we don't talk about this kind of stuff enough. We just assume that by osmosis in our churches or families that people will learn financial wisdom, yet it's not the case. We actually need to talk about it. The second thing I would say is that if you are in a place of, of crippling financial debt or you require assistance, there is free financial counsellors out there and people that can help you with your money. Um, you know, thirdly, we actually need to take the time to learn. Like I said, we all make mistakes, but unless we take the time to actually learn and consider and plan for a better future, we will continue to make poor financial choices. And it's kind of like when someone sets out to get fit. Um, Yes, it's about doing exercise, going to the gym, going for a run, whatever it might be, but so much of fitness and dare I say, financial freedom and fitness is that it's about your diet. It's about what you actually set out to plan and do with your money. You know, many of us have been told just to work harder, do more, seek the promotion, which of course is true. The Bible is very upfront about that. Uh, But also we need to plan. And wealth is um, much more than just how much we make. It's actually about what we do with it. Um, While uh, we're starting, I also want to 100% endorse um, two resources to you. Firstly, I'm sure many of you at this point in time have heard of barefoot investor, and I'm just so passionate about some of the things that I've learned about, you know, um, handling money from the barefoot investor. The only thing that it omits, as he's not a believer, is biblical giving. But I'm so passionate about some of the things that you can learn from the barefoot that I'm going to say to my kids when they reach the age of 16, hey, I'll give you $100 if you go and read this book. And the second resource that I'd want to recommend to you is a guy called Dave Ramsey, who is brilliant and he is a Christian, and he talks about how Christians can get their finances in order. The only downside to Dave Ramsey is that he is American. A joke. Um, and and one last thing I want to say before I really jump into the bulk of what I'd like to share with you this morning, and and I think this is a principle for life, not just finance, is that we overestimate what we can achieve in a year and we underestimate. What we can achieve in a decade if you are in a place of hardship now don't be discouraged we think we can just fix it all overnight but actually there is so much that we can do not just now but for the decades as well as for the generations to come and i think that's true of discipleship relationships our following of jesus a whole bunch of things all right let's dive into some things that i'd love to share with us this morning and the first thing i want to say is this is that god is not scared of talk about money. Like I've already said this morning, um, money has for too many of us been treated as this giant taboo, yet the Bible faces the talk of money head on. Both in the Old and New Testament, it talks directly about money and finance and stewardship, about making money, as well as the evils of money. And in fact, I would want to encourage us this morning even just as a challenge going going away from today, to go and read one proverb a day for a month. And you'll see just how much the Bible gives us wonderful wisdom about the way that we um, steward and talk about money. And the reason that is so, the reason that Solomon, who was considered the wisest man after Jesus, and the reason Jesus talked about it so much, is because it is so closely aligned to our heart and what we give our heart to. And the things that we worship, and sometimes, if we're not careful, could consume us. You know, there are parts of the Bible that talk about extravagant, celebratory spending, about lavishly spending money. You know, uh, I think of uh, the story of the prodigal son and when he returned home and the type of party that the father threw for his son. Um, you can look at the Old Testament feast that didn't just last for days, but sometimes weeks, and the amount of money that was spent on those sorts of celebrations and yet equally so there are huge parts of the bible that rebuke god's people for their inappropriate spending of money in neglecting the widow and the orphan and the poor and not acting on behalf of god to alleviate injustice and the suffering of others that uh, psalm that you may have just briefly seen as I put it up before um, talks about our God who is the God who owns all the forests in all the world and all the cattle on a thousand hills. God is not, um, does not have an issue with lack. In fact, um, I think sometimes in Christian circles, we buy into this false theology that says that we need to have a slave or pauper spirit where we need to live off nothing, we need to eat bread crusts, which of course Paul talked about the fact that he could feast one day and eat on bread crusts the next day, but that was about his attachment to the world. And perhaps one of the biggest hindrances to many who, who do enter the church that are business-minded, um, they think that God just wants everyone to be poor. And that is, that is just quite frankly not true. And for some of you, even, your greatest contribution to the kingdom will actually be to make money and lots of it. But not just for the sake of yourself and greed, but actually for the kingdom and also for people who are doing it tough around you. And Jesus was also quite scathing of those who just kept their money um, for themselves. You know, we read in Matthew 19, a verse that I'm sure many of you would have heard of before, that he said that it was... um, it was as hard for the rich to enter the kingdom as it was for a camel to enter into the eye of a needle. And if you haven't heard the context behind that, um, that teaching before, that was Jesus talking about a gate in Jerusalem that was called the eye of a needle. And in order for a camel to actually be able to go through that gate, it had to unload itself. It had to take off all of its baggage. And the reason that it is so hard often for rich people to enter the kingdom is because we, we tend to want to hold on to things tightly. Many of us have almost been hardwired that when we get things, it's almost like a child when they're acting uh, childish, not childlike. There is a big difference. We try to just hold on to our things. But God is actually saying, I am the one who has given every good and perfect thing. And would you relinquish control? Would you give it back to me? Would you let generosity flow like a river? Many of you who have been at Oak City Church for a while would have heard me talk about this, that for many of us, we can develop cultural and heart idols. And what I mean by that is that consumerism is one of the greatest idols of our time. Our society is brought into this idea that having more things will make you happier. In fact, every marketing ad out there seems to say that you are deficient unless you have this thing. Um, Maybe for some of us, we've grown up in families where we don't have enough. And we set out upon this quest to prove other people wrong and to make a better future for our, our family and for our kids, which is wonderful. Yet, unless we're careful, these things can grab hold of our heart. I know for a long time in my life, my emotional state has been dependent upon how much money is in the bank or how I am going in terms of having the latest things. But actually... The only true king is Jesus. And in order for us to tear down those idols that are in our life, the antidote to idols is to not give them power. I once heard it said that the greatest way to defeat a sumo wrestler is not to feed them. And for these idols that can creep into our world, we need to do things that don't feed those idols. Um, Money and possessions, uh, quite frankly, will not make you happy. And Jesus talked about that, that the, the true sustenance was to do the will of the Father. We read elsewhere in Scripture that the joy of the Lord is our strength. The next thing that I want to say is that uh, many of us buy into this lie that we buy things that we don't need with money that we don't have to impress people that we don't actually Care about again. Many of us have bought into this lie that we are deficient, that we um, we need more in order to be happy, and we rack up credit card debt, which quite frankly is money that is not our own, to impress other people either via social media or comparison. That in the end, we don't actually care about what they think. And so, um, I would want to encourage us this morning that true wealth is actually being out of firstly. Uh, Give to those that we love and care about as well as those in our community that are doing it tough. And that's where we should be spending our money, not this false notion of I need the latest thing in order to look successful, yet actually to be cash poor. So some quick tips that I'd want to chuck us out here is get rid of your credit cards. They are a trap designed to entrap weak-willed people. Um, Spend uh, the money that you actually have. The second thing would be that going into debt for anything else than a mortgage is not wise. And I, I, um, I'm talking here about cars, clothes, holidays, whatever it may be, unless you have the money, it is unwise to spend money that you don't have. In fact, the root etymological um, uh, root of the word mortgage, which of course is, it's impossible for many of us to, to not be able to buy a house without taking out a mortgage is literally the word noose. And so when we go into debt, we are putting a noose around our neck. We are strangling our freedoms. And the last thing I want to say that, and if you haven't already seen it, is go and see the Netflix documentary about minimalism. Minimalism is so countercultural in this world. You know, this world that says that we need to have more things to be happy, but actually um, the amount of things that occupy space in our houses that we never use, that we don't actually need, as Marie Kondo would say, that actually don't bring us joy or are useful, is startling. Um, Jumping to the next one, I wanna move quickly here. The next um, principle or wisdom that I would wanna give this morning is bucket your money. Many of us don't have um, financial strategies when it comes to the money that we actually earn. And if this isn't making sense to you, now's the time to go and buy a copy of Barefoot Investor. But actually, many of us have tried and failed when it comes to budgets. But bucketing our money is a way of saving and spending in the right areas and in guilt-free ways. And some of the quick things you can learn here is to save up an emergency fund. Rather than having a credit card debt that you rely upon, set aside money for a rainy day when the car breaks down or when the hot water system goes kaput. The next thing I'd want to say is that if you are living in debt is to domino your debts from smallest to largest. Start with a small one. Get some quick wins. Get those out of the way in order to not live in financial oppression. Um, the fourth thing I'd say, and it's an obvious one for many of us, would be simply to know what is coming in and what is going out. If you don't know what your bills are and what your spending is each month, that is something that you need to get on top of so we can live within our means. And the last one would be to learn to live off 70% of your income. And I know that can be tough depending upon different situations in life, but learn to be able to give 10% as we're gonna talk about in just a moment, save 10%, put that away for a rainy day, and to invest 10%. And what I mean by that is that could be towards um, a particular goal or thing that you are saving up for. And, And if you'd like some more wisdom around that, again, please see some of the work of Barefoot investor, Um, sorry about jumping around those slides. Um, The next thing that I wanna say, and again, coming in to, to land here, my apologies again, is that financial freedom and generational wealth releases us to be more generous with our money. When we get on top of our finances, it actually means that we can be financially independent and we can let money flow. You know, I am a big believer that when we live a life Um, open-handed, when we get on top of those things that hold us back, but yet when our hands are open in order to be able to give away, I've seen time and time again that as we give away, God gives us more and more. It's like the parable of the talents, that when we don't just hoard away, keep things to ourselves, putting them away just for me, but actually in the parable of the talents, Jesus told us to go and multiply to go and do well with what we're giving. And of course, Jesus wasn't just talking about money. He was talking about our time, our energy, our literal talents, our skills, our destiny in the kingdom. But actually when we go and we release things for kingdom purposes, there seems to be this spiritual dynamic that money always begins to come back and not in a, a, a kind of a vending machine type way, but God is a generous, generous God. Two more things I want to say, we're almost um, done this morning, folks. Is this that entitlement is one of the greatest enemies of the spiritual life? One of the biggest issues I see in the world around us is that um, people look after them and their own. Nothing is ever enough. I've been in that place before, I'm like, I deserve a better hourly rate. Uh, whatever it might be, and we forget about kindness to other people. And I want to tell you, not just when it comes to your finances, but when it comes to your walk with Jesus, if you are living an entitled life, it will be cancerous to your heart. Dallas Willard says that entitlement is one of the great enemies of the spiritual life. What, as Jess said last week, do you have to be grateful for today? How can you um, have a grateful and thanksgiving spirit that we see so often within the Bible? And gratefulness and generosity is the absolute answer to entitlement. The last thing that I want to say this morning, folks, before we pray and before we have some worship together, is that first fruits is a sign of trust and obedience in the one that can be trusted. Now, I've heard many people say time and time again, well, yeah, well, tithing 10%, that's an Old Testament thing. Yep, that actually, that, that's true. Yeah, if you want to go by the New Testament principle, that's actually in Acts 2, where the people of God gathered together and they shared everything. They shared everything. They were able to share their money, their possessions, their households. They shared everything. Yet I think of that principle of first fruits, you know, and I think as an Agar- you know, Ag- Agarian society when uh, they did the harvest and God asked them to give their their First fruits, they're 10% to him. And that was a radical sign of trust. You just think about it. They didn't know how the rest of the 12 months was going to go. They didn't know how the rest of the crop was going to yield. Yet, actually, to say, God, I trust you. You are one who is trustworthy is a bold, radical, countercultural thing in this world where people say, No, I'm out for me and me alone. And we have that beautiful reminder in James chapter one and remembering that James was Jesus's brother. And he said these words that every good and perfect gift comes down to us from God, our father, who created the world, who is the one who owns all the forests and all the cattle on a thousand hills. God does not have an issue with lack. And my encouragement for us this morning is if you haven't spent the time doing some of your homework around this stuff, working out what it means to be a powerful, generous force as an individual, as a family, and ultimately for us as a church, all of worship, all of life, our job, our money, who we are, our time is a response to how good God has been to us. And that's where I wanted to land this morning, folks. We I'm going to lead now into some worship, um, which is, again, posturing our hearts towards God to say that I have so much to be thankful for. It's not lullabies about Jesus. It's actually adoring God. And so, Oak City Church, it's been so good to do this series together. If you've got any more questions, if you want to comment, if you want to reach out, please do that. But I'm going to pray for us now as we lead into some worship together. I pray that this has been a blessing to you and your, your finances and your worldview as we go forward as a church. So, Father, thank you for this morning. I thank you that you are such a kind and generous God, that you are tender to us, that you are merciful. And that when we, um, we look in your scriptures, when we come to you, we just know that you want us to be free in all of life. You want us to be free. You want us to be more and more like your son, Jesus, who is generous and kind and flipped injustice on its head. And we want to be a force for the kingdom because of the way that we talk about and identify and recognize money. So thank you, Father, for everyone that is tuned in this morning. Would you bless them? Would they have an incredible um, week and month ahead? And would this be a defining Sunday? Also, as we gather together in just a moment, in Jesus' name, amen. Mm